1: 1-2 pitch, ball lined to Yout, it's short! He throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yout, makes a great catch! And won, the Amos has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings and here it is! A face hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin.
0: And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's good.
1: What right a A two-run home run. The Brewers take the lead.
0: Morgan, a smash up the middle.
2: You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Schneider. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, what is life? We spend our time kind of just passing by on this godless rock that is spinning and spinning and spinning. 365 days comprise a year. Each year we get older things happen in our lives great things bad things the world itself the earth the orb the godless rock is heating up and we can't stop any of it and we look to things in our lives to bring us some sort of artificial joy and you know make the days on the godless rock go by a little smoother um and then because of that we may attribute some uh more importance to happenings on the godless rock that, than they actually need and this weekend was one of those times for me because the milwaukee brewers faced the atlanta braves in a three-game baseball series in atlanta adam all that weight and context being dropped onto a platter in front of you on this monday morning i'll first say how you doing thanks for joining me
3: I no, I'm supposed to answer that after that intro. That was intense for people. Maybe people are listening for the first time. They're like, "Oh, okay. Uh, this is this is podcast about the Milwaukee Brewers. It is." Um, but Andrew's personal history means series with the Atlanta Braves means a little bit more. And to be honest, my personal history too, because I started watching Brewers baseball in the playoffs last year. I saw them lose to the Braves. So this seemed important. This it just felt like something. Yeah, maybe there should just be a little bit, little bit of extra motivation there, wouldn't it be? Would it be really nice to keep uh, the hot streak that the Brewers have been ongoing, and to just roll through the World Series winners, the Atlanta Braves, and for a moment, for a brief moment, it seemed like that may have been possible. Um, but ultimately, a disappointing series and a series that, um is making me confront some some potentially harsh truths behind the Brewers' impressive start to the season. And maybe some of the discussions that are going to rear their head more as the season goes on, there is a possibility that we're, we're seeing them emerge on the horizon at this point already.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. It is a, a series that uh, had importance for me just because of things we talked about on this podcast and in the uh, playback on Saturday night. It's also something of a measuring stick because this is something that happened to these Atlanta Braves last year going into the postseason. And they answered the question by winning series against good teams like the Milwaukee Brewers, Los Angeles Dodgers, and Houston Astros going into the season. The NL Central, much like the NL East last year, is not a very good division. You got two games, two teams actually trying not to win baseball games based on the roster moves. And what has Milwaukee done to this point in the season? Absolutely beat up on them. The Pirates, the Reds, and even uh the Cubs to an extent. I think what were uh two and two against the Cubs uh this season? Is that right? Or um is no, it not?
3: Are the brewers not? now? Well there, it would have been three games, so three and three against okay, the it games. was a three game series, yeah. So yes, yeah, they, yeah. you're right, it's three and three because I was thinking that first game series was a four game series, but of course one of them was rained out.
2: Yeah. So to this point in the season, you know, the Brewers have put together this impressive 19 and 10 record. They lead the division over the St. Louis Cardinals by two and a half games. But when confronted with teams or the similar caliber of them, it's been a little bit of a stumbling block. Two out of three losses in a series to the Braves, two out of three losses to the the series against the Cardinals, a one off loss to San Francisco. two Two out of
3: four against the Cardinals.
2: Oh, yes, two out of four. Sorry. Um, these four game series, they're really uh, playing with my brain as I try to look for a snapshot. So two out of four, two and two against the Cardinals this season. So 500 against another good team. So fine there. But you're coming up to a, a point in the season where. Sorry,
3: yeah, the one other you were going to mention, and then I distracted you and probably forgot, which is the one game. Against the San Francisco Giants.
2: Um, Yep, I did. I did mention that. Um, Oh, you did mention. Sorry. Okay. Yes. In in my it's 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 okay. You know, we're working through a lot of emotions this morning, and uh, my eyes aren't necessarily as clear as they should be because of all the tears. Um, yeah. So it's a situation where this is a good team. We know they're a good team. They're going to pile up a lot of wins, but this entire season, as as things trend towards an October series against one of these teams that are the same caliber as the Brewers in the back of our mind. We're just going to be like, when they come up against them in the series, is that the game where we have the nine run explosion by the opponent or the bats go silent and maybe too early to ask that question, but because of the way last season ended, it's, it's a question that at least has to be discussed.
3: It always has to be discussed. I think it's always in not even the back of Brewers fans minds. I'm sure Anyone who particularly watched um, the Saturday and Sunday games against the Braves it will have gone right to the forefront of their minds, which is where are the runs coming from. We've seen that, and we only talked about it in our last episode. It's like you can list through a number of guys and say they're all they're all potentially good hitters. Like there is a path to the Brewers to get hot at the right time. And for none of none of the concerns that may otherwise be there to matter all that much. You've still got to do that though. Like it's, it's one thing knowing that in a vacuum, there's, you know, six to seven good hitters on the team. It's another thing to put that all together at once, not against the Reds or the Pirates where that's going to result in nearly 20 runs, but against a team like the Braves where, you know, you don't need that many, but if you get six or seven against better pitching, well, that's going to be important. And with what the Brewers have going, like, Game three is very much an anomaly. You're not going to see opposing teams score that many runs in the Brewers very often. And the stat across the season has been: if the Brewers can get the four plus runs, you get the four, you've got a good chance. If you get more than four, the Brewers are almost always going to win. It is not a massive ask, but they do need to show that they can do that consistently when they come up against better teams. And we're not even we're not even talking about the the absolute you know cream of the crop, the best of the best at the moment. Like the Braves, maybe this is the thing that will spur them on, but they've been struggling somewhat. Obviously uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is only just back over a week now, although you would not know that if you watch his performance against the Milwaukee Brewers. But these are, these are the, when you get to 500-ish teams and upwards, it's, it's no different to any other sport. It's like, okay, this is a competent team, if not a good team. And that's consistently you're going to have to be in a position where it's like, we're playing a team that aren't just going to beat themselves for us, so we've got to go and perform. And on this occasion, the Brewers did not manage to do that. Um, Anyone
2: that watched this series got a full understanding of how much the chop and the political things around the Braves last postseason – how much they bothered me because you saw Ronald Acuna Jr. Base, play baseball, and you say Andrew decided willingly to not have this guy on his favorite team for the next ten years, and that's really something because he is an incredible baseball player. Um, without going beat for beat down each game, I just want to talk about some of the broader, broader strokes in each game because Game One was actually a little encouraging. Like we got things off on the right foot, and uh, if they could just replicate that more often, e- even like you said that four run mark is kind of like the sweet spot. Like just get a couple of runs above that and you're golden. They got the scoring started off early in the second. Then Acuna hit a Homer while falling down in the batter's box in the fourth to make it two one. They scored a second one. It's two, two. The Brewers face adversity in the middle of a game against a good team, albeit in the middle of a bullpen game. That being said, Spencer Strider, who should really be a starting pitcher, um, for the Braves, uh, relieved Jesse Chavez and went four innings, allowed four hits and struck out eight. Looked fantastic. And then the Brewers in the sixth inning did what they should should do against uh, a bullpen, uh, against uh, Colin McHugh, who's been very good um, over the last few years, but has a six ten ERA this year. They put up a four spot in the sixth, kind of strung uh, things together in kind of a weird way, score run on a ground out, a bases loaded walk, an infield single, but they put up four runs in that sixth, Inning and that kind of just sealed the game away for them at that point. Atlanta would score another and, um, you know, trying get back into the game. But from that point, the Brewers pitching really just shut them down. The Braves, um, only reached base via a hit three times. <laughs> three errors from the Brewers also, uh, helped them uh, get on base from time to time. And there were some walks mixed in, but that big four run inning just for for all like intents and purposes, just shut down the game by putting it to a point out of reach where psychologically a team in the other dugout and in your own dugout knows with our bullpen, this lead should be safe, and it was.
3: Yeah, and what, one thing that I I guess I hadn't even got at the top of my mind to talk about, and you saying it there, has brought it up. One thing that the Brewers have been very, very good at it's avoiding errors up to this point in the season. They've been really kind of clean and tidy, very little in terms of fielding errors, in terms of bad throws, dropped catches. We haven't seen a whole bunch of that. Um, All three games in this series. And that's, again, you're playing a better team. Like, you cannot, you would get away with that against the Reds, you know? Um, You won't get away with that here. So that was also something that they set the tone for in game one. And really allowed the Braves to have a foothold and make the game something more than what it was. Because of that, game one was the one where Low Kane threw to the empty first base. Right when Rowdy was uh, there, he's the, not even looking and he just fires at a first base.
2: Yeah, the errors were Lorenzo Kane throwing to an empty base trying to double off a runner. Uh, Willie Dimes Renfro's dropping throwing air and yeah, Hunter Renfro dropping a foul ball. And it was a situation where the Brewers pitchers ended up pitching them out of the trouble created by the errors. But like you said, um, uncharacteristic day for them. And that, that's unsustainable if that keeps happening moving forward because you can't just gift good teams base runners in, in the middle of games. They, you need to make them earn it at the plate. And, you know, it's a concerning thing moving forward. Somehow they got that game to Josh Hader with the lead and he takes care of things. I think he still hasn't allowed a run this season. Um, but then, I mean, it's just what we talk about with them often is, you know, the offense has shown that it can, it can do things in spurts and against bad teams, but then that game to game consistency, which is what you especially need in a nationally division series where you have five games against these Atlanta Braves potentially, because game two, the offense just absolutely disappeared against one of the, the better pitchers in the league, um, and that and that is a little concerning because a big playoff game in Truest Park, Corbin Birds against Max Freed, is not something that's out of out of the question to happen at some point this year, despite the Braves' slow start. And at certain points in that game, even though it was a, a one-run loss, that the Brewers could have come away with a win, it and they scored late runs, it somehow just felt like it was always out of reach just didn't despite the runners getting on base it just never felt like they were going to get that big hit I know that's not really something that's measurable in terms of but that goes back to
3: that's that's how the series against the Braves played out in the playoffs and in game one they're two for 14 runners in scoring position for the series they're four of 23 runners in scoring position it's not going to get it done and the the thing that was striking is also, I can think of, we were on playback for game two, and it came, Yelly's season to date with runners in scoring position. Numbers were, like, off the charts. Like, it was, he was basically 50% of the time this season, runners in scoring position. He was getting hits. Um, his RBIs were really strong there. I, I could think then in game three, Omar Narvaez came up too, and he's not necessarily someone you'll think, oh, Omar Narvaez, you know, He's the guy you want in this spot, but again, like an above four hundred batting average this season with runners in scoring position, and not just on a, you know, we're small samples still everywhere, but not on tiny sample sizes, and that is that was my thing from my first exposure to the Milwaukee Brewers in the playoffs last year. It's like, oh, they're you know they're pretty good at getting guys on base over the course of a game, but they do not convert those opportunities into runs like like the Braves did on that occasion. Um, and that is certainly like, even when you go to that game one, like, and, and this is a reflection of the quality of pitching that the Brewers have, like the Brewers win the game by three runs. They're two of 14 with runners in scoring position. It's not like the Braves lost because they weren't converting their runs. They're o of two with runners in scoring positions. Like they're not, they're not the opposing teams are not getting anywhere near the number of chances Generally, that the Brewers are going to get, but they are much, much more efficient in converting them. So, that is something that I don't know that just comes up to some clutch hitting, right? It's just when the chips are down, being able to go and do it. And I guess, speaking of clutch, something that towards the back end of this series certainly hurt um, the Brewers was Andrew McCutcheon getting COVID. And one, one reliable hitter, as much as Kutch hasn't been hitting homers, he's been pretty important in just batting in some runs, uh, getting on base, doing a lot of the 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 setup work really for some of the bigger hitters, whether it be Rowdy, Willie Damez, you know Yelly at times, Hunter Renfro at times. Just depending on whether he was at the back end of the order or on occasions where he's been leading off, he's in a spot where he has generally been important in getting guys on base for when top of the order or around. Um, or maybe when some of the top of the order guys have already gotten position to score without him, that's tough. And it's tough because we'll talk about some of the players then that you've no choice, but to not only start, but also you can't really pinch hit for them. Um, And there's some notable players in this team right now, that I I just, they cannot hit the ball is it is startling. It is very concerning, but that's, that's where it comes down to for me. It's you look at runners in scoring position and,
1: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
2: Yeah, and especially game 2, I I said if you look at the box score, it looks very similar for both teams. The Brewers had 7 hits and reached via a walk once, so that's eight times in theory, but base runners are on the bases, but they only had three uh, at-bats runners in the scoring position and went one for three. And that was, I think, Taylor's uh, single in the ninth inning that scored Christian Yelich. And other than that, even though they were getting guys on, they weren't you know advancing on the base paths or getting into dangerous situations where they can drive runners in. Uh, and this was a close game, but it could have been, <laughs> the margin could have been a lot worse because the Braves, on the other hand, we're getting those runners in the scoring position and the Brewers were kind of playing with fire. The Braves went two for 10 with runners in the scoring position in game two, left eight runners on base. It could have easily been a situation where one of those hits breaks open the game and we're not having a discussion about this 3-2 loss where the Brewers almost fought their way back into the game in the ninth inning against Kimley Jansen. Um, Yeah, and it does just come down to when you're not <laughs> passing that four-run threshold, you're going to need to get a clutch hit in a stressful situation at a certain time and relying on that on a game to game basis is just taking a lot of random chance into like into uh, uh the situation and it, that can't be relied on if you're if you're not just piling runs up because it's it's a it's a like we said it's a uh, it's a round bat hitting a round ball and sometimes you're not going to get the bounce that goes your way sometimes you're going to end up like Willie Adamas has a lot of the times this season where you do everything right, but you smoke a ball right at a fielder. Um, so, yeah, get, game two could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot better. They were in the game at the end. But when those margins get razor thin in a postseason game, you just got to have a guy that's, that's going to come through with a big hit. And, unfortunately, having the, the tough conversation is we come to a point where when you get to certain points in this lineup, you just know – that the odds are stacked against you because uh Lorenzo Kane in
3: particular is just not in a good way right now. Um, he is last on the th- team in batting average, he's last in the team in on base percentage, he's last in the team in slogan percentage, which of course means he's also last in the team in OPS. Like, and he is the, the problem for anyone who watched game two of this series, uh, with Andrew and I and with our friend Jordan Tresky on playback. Jordan made what may be the boldest call that Jordan has ever made in his life. He is not a man for bold calls, going out in the limb. Brewers needed some runs, runners in scoring position. Lorenzo Kane came, came to the plate, and Jordan's like, "I'm calling it. It's going to be a homer." And Andrew and I are like, mm, "No, it's not." And it's very rare that Jordan gets frustrated, but the speed with which Lorenzo Kane was struck out. He's swinging at balls that there's no reason to swing at this carried over into game three as well. Just so it's 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 so easy, first and foremost, even for, for pitchers. He had one good at bat in game three, which came to nothing, but he at least worked. Um, I think was still Morton at that point pretty hard for it. Um, but you're seeing him swing at stuff that's like. It's in the dirt, and it's not even there because there's this incredible break on it. He's just he's just coming out swinging at everything, and he's not seeing the ball. He's got no timing. There's no plate discipline. There's no intelligence. Like that actual game tree is good at that. Where you're like, okay, you haven't got it, but at least you're you're taking the pitcher like eight nine pitches, and you're you're giving yourself a chance of being walked. If that's what he was doing, even you can live with that. He's not doing that. Like, he is a guy who you would think should still be able to stand up there, fell some off, and give himself a chance to get on base via walks, if nothing else. He's just swinging at everything. So when you can't hit, when nothing is happening for you with the bat, I surely you just go up there and you stand there and you take, take the pitches as they come and be like, hey, if I'm lucky, maybe I'll get walked. And that's the point where we're at with Kane, where it's like, he, he's probably just better if he doesn't swing at anything right now.
2: It feels like a situation where he's in his head to the point where he says, I don't want to get behind an account. Like if I get down O2, I'm done. So he's like, oh, maybe the first pitch is the best thing I'm going to get. He's just swinging away at everything. And like you said, that's counterintuitive to probably what you need to be doing in the situation is you need to see some pitches, make the pitcher work and not, not get yourself out. But I guess he's struggling to a point where, like nothing's working and and that can just like send it down a downhill slope even further. I don't know what it is. Uh, I mean at at a certain point in every sport age, age catches up with everyone. And he's in his age 36 season. He only played 78 games last year. He only played five games during the, uh, the COVID season. I mean, it could be to the point where Lorenzo Cain's time being a productive major league baseball player is just at its end. And that's an unfortunate, but that's the way things are trending right now. I, I mean, at this point, I think uh, s- some days off would be helpful. Just get a run when Andrew McCutcheon returns from the COVID list. You get a run of uh, days for Yelly and left, Tyrone Taylor in center, Renfro and right, and McCutcheon back at DH. And just give that outfield mix a, a run for I two think weeks. there's no
3: doubt if all of the options are available, that's what will be happening right now. I, I just I don't think days off are gonna like it's it's gonna take a major discovery. It's gonna take something to click in a way it hasn't, if this is going to come back. But well, what it really I, needs to be is that his role on this
2: team, and despite the two errors in the series, is late game defensive replacement when you need yeah, your best and defensive outfit out. The
3: there. errors are not the normal, like and from what we've seen overall this season, like still a great glove, you know, defensively, he's still, he still got it. He's got what he's, as always made him um, a special player is there. It's just offensively, there is not, there's not even a semblance of anything. I just want competitive at bats. If he was given competitive at bats, you just kind of live with it, particularly when he's generally defending as well as he still does. But if it's just how many times the other thing with this, that I guess comes into more of a, quibble with great counsel but particularly in game two which ends up a close game the the batting order was wild Batting order was wild you rowdy way too far down the order so then even if something good is to come from there like over the course of the series they kept finding themselves they'd get guys on base and you're like oh who's coming up and it's like <laughs> in game three it's like oh great bases are loaded who's next Bases is loaded one out we've got Lorenzo Kane and we've got Jace Peterson that's not going to work you know that really is not going to work um <laughs> that's but at this point i i don't actually know where the good spot in the order to put where it's okay it is because you just can't hide him like he when he's as bad as this it, it could come back to bite you no matter where you put him but it, i think it is more important than ever that there's some clarity in terms of that you give yourself a really strong run of your best hitters because if you, if you haven't got confidence that there are, you know, eight to nine guys that you're really going to feel good about, that it doesn't matter, which we have had some games recently where that's the case and before some injuries and some COVID and all that kind of stuff has kicked in and created some problems. There have been times where that's the case. It gets trickier. It's also, I mean, the timing of Kesson being, sent out to Nashville sounds is interesting to say the least, particularly because this would seem like a time where with Kane playing like this, you'd be like, okay, we need to just use Keston as a DH for a few games and free up. So the DH is not being used on one of Kutch or Yelly or even Tyrone Taylor, I believe had a DH start recently too. Like <laughs> your, your outfield options are not exactly overflowing with Kane struggling to this extent defensively. And that is the irony is that this feels like actually a perfect set of circumstances where you could have had some consistent opportunities to get Kesson Hero out there at the age.
2: Yeah, that, that, that was a lot of bad luck in that situation. I know they didn't want to burn the option too quickly by sending him back up. They're like, all right, we're sending you to Nashville. You're going to get some regular at bats. Andrew McCutcheon gets COVID. So unfortunate, unfortunate timing there, because as you said, that's a no-brainer situation. Oh, we don't have Kutch. Kane's not bringing it. We play Taylor in center, Yelich in left, Renfro in right. Boom, DH at-bats for Castanera. Uh, But sadly, it, it's not to be. It, it's a problem that, that needs to get worked out. I mean, you've got some internal options to play center field regularly. And Taylor, see what happens with some of the outfielders in Biloxi and nashville bryce terang as we mentioned a few times well, eventually we'll get to this sounds update on the podcast yeah but, actually could we uh, just
3: will so i meant to say this on the last episode because we promised in the last episode we talked with the sounds and we didn't and i just completely forgot to explain why we didn't which is we got our prediction of when ethan small's next start was going to be wrong and we thought uh, considering just how incredible he'd been to start the season it would be pretty ridiculous if we happened to uh talk with the sounds without having taken any small game and really kind of focusing on that more. Um, and then even with the changes for this episode, it's like you kind of want to see Keston get a few games down there, see how he's doing. And then we can talk a little bit about that, some of that too. So we'll see as this week goes on um, maybe after the red series, if not after the Marlon series, but I'm, I'm certainly checking in pretty regularly with the sound. So we'll do that soon. But the fact that we decided we were going to do that one, we got. Our, our feeling of when Eaton small next start was going to be wrong. But then also, everything started to happen in terms of movement between the Brewers and the Sounds. Like, from when we announced that, we would have thought, oh, well, Mike is back down there, and that's going to be something to watch at least. Um, yeah, Mike Brasso was back down there. He played, I believe, one game. Um, and then he straight back up. And I'm sure we'll see him option back down again very soon. Hopefully, if uh Kutch manages to kind of clear through code protocols pretty quickly. But yeah, we will we will have that sounds talk and we will get into our regular talk with affiliates. It's just been a pretty chaotic few days where things are in flux between the brewers and the sounds.
2: Yeah, not fun.
3: Um neither was Sunday.
2: <laughs> I did not get to watch this baseball game. I was taking my mother to a college baseball game for Mother's Day. Had a great time. It was a little cold and misty when it was originally supposed to be nice. But that just kind of fit the theme of sports for me on this weekend. <laughs> a lot of bad things happened for me. But, you know, there are worse things going on in the world, so it's fine. But um, I guess, Adam, the, the big sticking point of this game for you mm. was probably uh, the unfortunate um, shaky performance from Aaron Ashby, who to this point
3: was having a pretty good season. He was, but even in his previous start, um, I'm trying to think who that was against. So it's a little I believe that was in now. Pittsburgh. He was a little walky. <laughs> I think maybe there were there were five walks on that occasion, um, but he managed to maintain enough control to be able to limit the damage entirely. In those, I believe we gave him. A master brew point although I could be wrong if not we should have he was very close he was in the mix for that start um, on this occasion he was super walky, and the problem was they started to come in just bursts and he allowed the, the Braves to really kind of run up a score early and with that and with everything we've talked about with the Brewers offensively It's like, this isn't a game. They lose 9-2 and you're like, two runs, that's not great. I I don't think this one's on the offense because the offense are coming out of the gate. Like By the time they're getting into the third inning, they're having to chase. And this is not an offense that's built for that. You need your starting pitcher to put in a few solid innings. I mean, one, two runs, of course, you can deal with. We've seen them deal with that. I think you could possibly deal with three. I think when it gets to four and then you're going to continue leaking runs in the innings that followed there was another one in the third another in the fourth and then three in the fifth You just you can't do anything with that um if you're the brewers and with the way they're constructed so ashby had a spell at one point where he had eight straight pitches that were outside the zone like that is that is a major problem with control and that was coming at a point too where he was loading up the bases with walks and he's he's walking guys for runs And one of the interesting things with this game too is um, Charlie Morton has had some problems at walks start this season. Hasn't really had it. And he was having some issues with control early in this game. He was walking some brewers and creating some opportunities, but he was finding it when he needed to, he was finding it when there's a guy on third, all of a sudden the walks were gone. The control was back. That was not the case with Ashby. And, in theory, I think we get some of the ideas of, you know, not a straight six man starting rotation, but I think Council certainly wants that kind of cycling through. And in every second or third week, there's a start for Ashby there. And developmentally, that might make a lot of sense. But based on this performance, I don't know if he's at the point where that is the best developmental choice for him. And certainly right now, it would seem like going back to the bullpen role getting some more regular outings with fewer innings and trying to build up that confidence again, because I've no doubt that his confidence will probably take a knock from this one. Cause it it was really quite bad.
2: And I think uh, even beyond or setting aside the development conversation, Aaron Ashby being in the bullpen is best for this team winning baseball games in 2022, probably because especially like you and I were talking before the podcast, Jake Cousins going down with what, is getting increasingly likely to be a season-ending elbow injury. Um, Ashby can be that swing man that can come into a game for two to three innings and going, like, max effort and shut down a lineup and, and kind of bridge the gap between a starting pitcher to a Hater or a Williams or whatever it may be, or come into a game when a pitcher's workload's gotten a little too... Um, you know, a a little too high early in the game. Ashby is such a huge weapon being able to go multiple innings. And he seems to have been very comfortable in that role. And starts will be there for Ashby if someone goes on the COVID list. If someone gets injured and is out for a week, there will be times to to drop him into a starting role without forcing it. And, you know, making it happen when it has to happen rather than trying to figure out the math on the six-man rotation. Because I think we've just seen... Lauer and and Hauser, despite some of the struggles in his, his last start, really settle into the, that fourth and fifth starting rotation role and are giving you what you need most games. Um, so it just feels like it makes a lot of sense for the team to have Ashby in that role. And that's almost certainly, if everyone's healthy, the role that he will have in the postseason, and it will be an important role.
3: Yeah, and the plan to even play around with, with six starters is – it is tied to assuming that you are not going to need to go to your bullpen before like the sixth inning, (laughs) Uh, which is generally a safe assumption with the Brewers, but there are going to be days throughout the season where that is just not the case for all of the pitchers. Like it's kind of impossible to imagine otherwise and you get stretched very quickly. And that has a knock on effect on your upcoming games. If you are, basically building your rotation where you're relying on not needing to go to your bullpen until you get to the sixth, where you can then map out. It's like, okay, ideal scenario where everyone's rested. You're going to go gotten the sixth, box in the seven Devin Williams, the eight hater in the ninth. And then you're also going to have a combination of Gustave, Brent Suter, Hobie Milner, uh, Luis Perdomo right now that can also come in and slot in depending on what kind of game we're in, what the score of the game is that kind of situation. But someone who could be a middle innings reliever and who could go multiple innings, it's actually, it's very much like, like what Ashby could be. And you said it in game one, and maybe it's an area where the Braves, although they do not have the certainty in their fourth and fifth starters, like the Brewers have. Strider being a bullpen guy for them is exactly what you kind of could view Ashby as and in terms of what he did to the Brewers in that game obviously that was a bullpen game all around for the Braves so it's a bit different when you're coming in in the second inning but let's imagine there's a game where whichever Brewers starting pitcher gets in trouble and it might be you know the fourth where you need someone to come in that could give you three to four innings in an ideal world if they've really got it like Ashby is the guy he's He's capable of doing that. and I think there'd be real value still developmentally in in those innings. Um, But you're just taking some of the, some of the heat, some of the the immediate pressure off because like the reality is he, he kind of lost the Brewers' game out of the gate. Like this one got away from them very early on. Sure. If they could get the bats going, they could have found ways back into it. Certainly early on, like all it would take is, couple of guys in scoring positions, one one big hit, and hey, it's still a game. But we know that is an area that this team struggles. We know the roster is not necessarily built to have to rely on that. It's built that pitching is going to keep the score low and going to give the bats every opportunity as they cycle through multiple plate appearances that someone may finally find something. So that's that's certainly the thing where it's like, if right away you're coughing up runs and over continuous innings, that becomes a problem. And then, even to, to be fair to to Ashby, by the time he comes out of the game, when he's given up six earned runs and the the Brewers are six nothing down, um, Gustave came in and John Del Gustave was actually pretty good until until he gave up a home run. A couple of guys had got on base, but it didn't feel like anything was in danger. Um, but it was, I believe, Adam Duval who homered off Gustave. And then all of a sudden you're in big trouble. The game is over. Like the game is over beyond doubt at that point. So not entirely on Ashby, but just all margin for disappears with that. And I don't think the Brewers have to live in that particular world.
2: Yeah. As soon as stupid, sexy Matt Olsen doubled in the, the second inning, uh, th- that seems to be where the game really got away. Um, it's just tough to dig yourself out of that hole um and coming off a Saturday night loss it was disappointing in a game where you didn't play poorly but had a chance to come back in the ninth inning and then you got to turn around and play right again at uh afternoon start time on Sunday it's just sometimes if you get punched in the mouth early you, you're a little wobbly the rest of the game and that's it seems to be what happened just a big hole that they couldn't dig out of and um Yeah. One of those games where you just chalk it up to everything (laughs) not going your way. And sometimes that'll happen in baseball. Again, we see a one for six with runners in scoring position, five left on base. Another error this time from Adamas and one from Ashby as well. Just, just not the Brewers day. Ashby's uh,
3: error by the way, because I know you haven't seen it. It was really bad. Um, And there's one there that's not an error, but, that was like those four runs in the second inning um did they even did they have a homer yes they no they didn't have a homer then um i if if a ball got out of the infield it was right at the end they were all infield the ball not leaving there a couple of like just unlucky bounces acuña had one that's kind of scuffed it doesn't go anywhere, but Ashby is not quick enough to get to it. Um, and then Cunha stole, I think, a couple of times he managed to steal bases. Um, but the second one, Ashby just puts his glove out and misses, Like, and it's it's not very far away from him. It's bad, and it, that's where it just starts snowballing. And then the pressure's on his pitching. It's just, yeah. So they are real, real sloppy work, and I, I know I saw Ashby's own... Um, post-game press availability and he kind of owned that he said you know one's an error but I should have got both of those you know that's that was on me and I don't want to blame him but he's right (laughs) they were on him and it would have helped the Brewers considerably and maybe the game doesn't get out of hand early and then it's a different story but look that's what it is it's not a one game like that over the course of a season it's not a big deal but this series is certainly something where we're mapping out well, what does it look like? Or how are you prepared when you're playing better teams? When these kind of things can happen if it goes wrong. And there's some concern.
2: Yeah. And one of the things that did not help this series is that this is the moment in the season Ronald Acuna Jr. Figured, okay, I'm going to start hitting this year. Came into this series, hitting 200, 286, 240. And he leaves hitting 278, 366, 500 with an 866 OPS has two homers on the season, both coming against the Milwaukee Brewers. So, don't love that. That was just like, I don't know. Your your ex-girlfriend's at the bar, you run into her, and her new boyfriend is 6'5", and I'm 5'9". So, that's how that felt. Uh, that was It was bad. He he was great, and it did not help.
3: But I don't think anything would have helped in, in Game 3. The other thing that we should probably talk about... Um... I don't know. I'm curious for your thoughts on this. This to me feels like something that is borderline uncontrollable um, but is also reflective of the bigger concerns I have. So, Corbin Burns currently has the third worst run support in Major League Baseball which is not exactly ideal for the Cy Young winner from last year a guy who could certainly win it again this year he's got a 1.86 ERA uh, Corbin Burns is doing Corbin Burns things and the Brewers are not getting wins out of his games because they are not coming up with any kind of scoring. There's an element of this to me from the outside that just feels completely random in that their scoring runs, for example, for Adrian Hauser, they're not for Corbin Burns. What can you do about that? But I do know that we talked about they haven't played very many good teams yet this year. Corbin Burns did get that one-off game against the Giants. Um, He goes up against Max Freed Against the Braves He's got some of the And of course he starts opening day So he got Who started for the Cubs? Who was it? Kyle Hendricks, Kyle Hendricks. Okay, you got Kyle Hendricks So obviously he has tougher matchups Which are squeezing the Brewers' bats. Is that When we see that, is that really just the point Where again, we worry about Corbin Burns's starts are also representative of when you're playing better teams and often better opposing pitchers and the Brewers are falling on their face.
2: Yeah, it's, I think it's a combination uh, of those two things because, like you said, in this case, it was Max Fried was dialed in. Looked great. But I mean, the Giants, it was a bullpen game. It was game a bullpen that, game, yeah. That that they struggled against. And then, you know, Kyle Hendricks on the opening day is flummoxing them, and then I think... we. Got Hendricks again in another start and they battered him. Um, so part of it's random. Part of it is, yes, a lot of the times Corbin Burns is going up if the schedules align against another team's ace. So, like, figuring it out, it's kind of just something that has to happen. I think last year, Brandon Woodruff was pretty uh, famous for not getting much run support. So it seems like there's right. one guy on pitching staffs every season and Mets fans. We'll say this about Jacob DeGrom, uh, you know, having like all time great seasons in terms of his own performance and the team just scoring no runs for him. So it's something to monitor just as like a, a trend. I, I will closely watch who is pitching against the Brewers in these performances moving forward just to see if it ends up aligning with our well, I can of tell you aces. what's
3: currently slated up next. Which is Corbin Burns' next start is to be in, but yeah, it will be particularly because I don't think Ashby's going to be in the next go round. Um, will be in game two against the Marlins, where ESPN Sandy Alcantara. No, it's Trevor Rogers. Oh, he's he's a pretty good pitcher as well.
2: So that'll be an interesting test case. I think they should they should win the series against um against uh, the marlins but trevor rogers uh last year was really solid he's struggled this year but he had a 263 era and 25 starts last year so he's a solid pitcher finished second in rookie of the year voting and was an all-star so something to monitor and he's a left hander mm. or is he not hold on yes, he's, he's a left hander
3: that could also hurt uh brewers road support because you know we never know when craig council might have inserted himself into the discussion
2: exactly uh yeah so something to monitor moving forward not great so far you'd like to see corbin be rewarded for limiting damage uh on for the other teams shall we We... turn the page to uh better days ahead adam
3: (laughs) yeah we got the reds (laughs) on deck (laughs) which is uh it's welcome. It's a welcome sight, unless it suddenly turns unwelcome, which the next pod will be very unfun. But the Reds are on deck. And the schedule, honestly, I mean, one, as anyone watching the broadcast has probably heard quite a lot about, the Brewers have these Tree Stray Road Series uh, trips. This is the first one. Obviously, we're about to move into the second leg of that Um three different city trip then they will be home for a series against the Braves and a series against the Nationals and then they will be on the road again like that's tough but also more teams that aren't the Reds and the Pirates on the schedule so you want to take advantage of the Reds here
2: definitely take advantage of the Reds uh series starts tonight Brandon Woodruff against Luis Castillo who will be making his season debut for the Reds Castillo is easily the best pitcher in this Reds rotation based on his historical performance. Someone that I'm kind of surprised has not been traded yet (laughs) because they seem to be moving off of every uh, sellable asset they have. Uh, Game two, sees his face, old friend Hunter Green uh, against Freddie Peralta. The Brewers treated Green very rudely last week, I think scoring eight runs off of him. Uh, again, we'll see, is he able to locate that very, very hard, but very, very straight fastball. If he's not, could be another fun day for the Brewers. And then a another businessman special early afternoon game on Wednesday before a Thursday off day, Vladimir Gutierrez again against Adrian Hauser. So it's time to to take advantage of the Reds again. I mean, this is a series where if they do what they're supposed to do, we won't be able to take away any meaningful kind of, data or feedback from the series but the three wins in the standings if they can get them all matter so this is a big time take care of business series Um, heading into the off day on thursday and then they can you know um fly into uh miami Mm -hmm. you know maybe uh go eat at one of those great steakhouses that Jalen rose is always talking about i can't remember what it's called Prime 112, maybe. No free. Stephen A has Uh, been
3: willing the Miami Heat to uh, get to the finals for multiple years now, much to the dismay of Milwaukee sports fans, uh, prompting the Milwaukee mayor to send Stephen A a gift basket recently, which Stephen A was very dismissive of in sticking to. He wants to go to Miami. So the Brewers will, in fact, be going to Miami. uh, Yes
2: three in Cincinnati, three in Miami, then back home where we get to do this all again. Uh, Maybe depending on Buck's schedule, depending on Adam's sanity, maybe we do another emotional midweek playback. Who knows? We'll see how it goes.
3: We'll we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll get one before then either. I don't know. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Master Brewer leaderboard. um, We've got nothing. Honestly. Honestly. We're open to to feedback on this. If people think we're crazy, if people think we're missing out on anyone, like Eric Lauer was close, I think Corbin Burns is close, and it's it is tough. If he got some run support, maybe we feel differently about that. It's not exactly on him, but it wasn't his best either, and he himself admitted that. Um, in terms of with the bats, just nothing there, really. I mean. Hunter Renfro obviously has uh, a homer in game two. Um, Rowdy had a pair of doubles for two RBI in game one, but he's cool off the, the past couple of games. Um, like Brasso had an RBI against the Braves. That's in game three. Like, that's that's it. Um, yeah, it's it's tough it's it's really really tough so we don't want to we don't want to give out any charity master brew points and so we'll probably probably will sit this one out I mean one person who didn't play in game three maybe it just doesn't pop in a particularly spectacular way but it's undoubtedly been really really good um Luis Arias two hits in game two so he was two of four um and in game one, no hits, but he was walked. His plate discipline has been really, really exceptional. We have talked about that. So he, he did manage to come in with a run. And even just looking at the season stats, obviously we're in a very small sample size with him. But uh, uh, 1.029 OPS for Luis Arias since going back for injury, uh, particularly based on not lighting... Um, the Binary Leagues and fire with his play and his rehab assignment is very, very encouraging. But I just – I don't think there's enough for anyone um, to earn recognition from this series, which it's very much reflective of the feeling I think we have coming out of there. And last chance, though, Andrew, if you've had a U-turn or if you disagree.
2: No, I think Lauer and Burns both gave solid performances, but given just how good they are and what we know them to be at their best – you know, probably not uh, up to where they would need to be to, to earn the beer here. But better days are on ahead. I'm going to predict uh, a couple of a sweep and then two out of three against the Marlins. And then I I think two out of three against the Braves. So I think I think things are going to turn around.
3: Wow, that's uh, that's optimistic. I like it. Um, <laughs> I told off I'm right there right now. So let's just... I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we get another sweep of the Reds. I would hate to see them drop a game to the Reds. So let's just hope the side of the Cincinnati Reds gets the bats going once again. Um, Which you know, there's no reason to believe it won't. The Reds are a train wreck, but they they're coming into the series, you know, on a little bit of a hot streak. Andrew, they they are coming in off the back of a win, so they're up to five and twenty three for the season. Let's hope the Brewers don't allow them to add to that any further. I think that's pretty much it. Any, any final thoughts?
2: No, that's it. Tough series, but it's one series. I'm trying not to let the opponent really, you know, get me too down, especially knowing we got another series coming right around the corner. That's the thing about baseball, Adam, is it's an everyday sport. So, That's bad because the losses can pile up and the bad feelings can pile up, but also every day is a new opportunity to start a new winning streak. Uh, I'm such a pessimistic sports fan in all areas of my life, but I've tended to be a positive poly with the Brewers to start this season, and uh, we'll see if that continues.
3: Yeah, and I mean, just half a game back of the Mets, one and a half games back of the Dodgers, so right in the mix for the National League lead. For the NL Central, they are two and a half games up on the Cardinals. I,
2: I I do want to comment on that briefly because I think this is why, even though when watching these Reds games, when watching these Pirates games, we can't take any meaningful data about the performance, but getting that two seed in the National League is huge. So take advantage against these bad teams and let the NL Central work for you. But yeah, sorry to cut across you.
3: No, no, that's that's fair enough. And I mean, they're... I mean, they were tied for the, the NL lead before the past two games. Um, so they're right there and it won't take much to get back into that kind of position. But yeah, taking care of business in those games, as much as people will talk about and we will talk about the easy elements that the Brewers have in their schedule because of the vision is weak. You've got to make them work for you. Like, don't feel bad about it. Like. Get yourself in the prime position because of that, because it's not always the way it breaks for you. Like that's if your division is at a point where it's favorable for you, well, that's great. It's your best chance to go and have greater success. So take advantage of it. Don't don't feel guilty about it um, and play down to the competition because yeah, there's plenty of tough games out there elsewhere. And plenty of tough games, only tough games when you get to the postseason. And if you don't get yourself in the right spot seating wise the postseason may not be very long, as last season was evidence of. All right, that does it for this time. We will be back to talk about what hopefully will be another sweep of the Cincinnati Reds later in the week. Until then, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Cruising for Bruising, that's crew, C-R-E-W, brew, B-R-E-W. You can follow us on Twitter, at BrewersGSPN. You could subscribe on Substack. That's gspn.substack.com. You get all of the, the pods sent there, but you also get our write-ups on uh, Master Brewer Leaderboard when the brewers have, in fact, been deserving of play, uh, of points with their play. Um, if you want to watch along with Andrew, I, and some of the rest of our Eurostep Podcast Network colleagues when we drop in and watch the live brewers games, make sure to... Send us a review. You can rate and review the pod. Send us a screenshot. We'll add you to the GSPN Discord, where we have a great, lively, fun brewers channel. There's a books chat in there, and it's also right now the only place where we share the links to our brewers playbacks. Um, GSPNStore.com. If you want to get cruising for bruising merch or any of the book stuff for winning six Euro step up there, all available on our store. And I will lastly say Eurostep Podcast Network. Go subscribe. If you're not already, if you only listen to our Brewers content, business end of the playoffs for the Bucks, Up 2-1. Hopefully going to stretch out that lead tonight in game four against the Celtics. But for all of your pregame, your postgame reaction analysis, subscribe to Eurostep Podcast Network. Subscribe to Eurostep Podcast Network on YouTube. And you'll get myself. You'll get Jordan Tresky. You'll get Ty Windish and Brown Caddy there. And you know what? From time to time, you may even get yourself some Andrew Snyder on the books. So that covers off everything right now. Let's see the Brewers bounce back. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Andrew.
2: Thanks, Adam.